Hey, welcome back to the Sporting Chance Podcast. Your host, Matt Maritea, here again. We're talking all things Philly sports, grabbing ourselves a beer, and some merch too as well. So, lock in, listen up, and let's have ourselves a nice fun show. Talk to you soon. say it's Matt Maritea back again episode 62 I think of the Sporting Chance podcast Uh, as always we got a lot to talk about well we don't I do I'm going to talk a lot and I'm going to have a beer and we're going to figure it out sort of as we go along Uh, now first things first the elephant in the room Flyers have lost 10 straight games it makes me utterly miserable. Like, I cannot believe that we're in this situation again, right? They've lost uh, 10 straight games. I think they've done mostly that in regulation. And it is uh, pretty much an utter disaster at this point. They fired the coach. They fired uh, Elaine Vignon. They fired Michel Therrien. Uh There's no more French people for uh, my names. To say uh, and to work on my accent, <laughs> uh, it's just all the wheels have completely fallen off, and all the hope and optimism, and uh, a team that seemed like it was poised uh, for significant change and significant steps forward going into this season now seems like one that might just have to be utterly dismantled uh, in order to attain any type of success in the future in order to facilitate you know maybe a turnaround and you know i mean we're at the point where uh you know they are dealing with a lot of injuries i'll, I'll give them that um we've got uh, let's see um nate thompson's out a significant amount of time uh ryan ellis has missed a significant amount of time um Derek broussard literally just came back Right, uh, Joel Farabee uh, is out for some time. Sam Moran is out for some time. We're still waiting on Wade Allison to get back. Tanner Lazinski's out for the year. Uh, you know, Kevin Hayes is literally just you know finally come back. But, I mean, they're incredibly thin, right? They're playing a guy like Nate Sealer or Nick Sealer every day, right? They've picked up Kevin Connaughton on waivers, right? This is a team that just doesn't have the depth and the ability to score, you know, night in, night out. And the one guy who is performing and scoring is Claude Giroux, who, again, continues to lead the team in goals, leads the team in assists, points, uh, is, you know, winning at least 60% of his faceoffs. Guy's playing, you know, out of his mind. He continues to play well as he gets older and older. He's approaching that sort of 900-point threshold. He's definitely passing it this year. And, you know, we're talking about a, a player who may have to go, right? And, and it's not that I want Claudio to be traded. I, I don't. I think he's a good leader, good captain, still a very productive player. But at some point, 
if you are forced to rebuild, if you are forced to tear it all down, does it start with Giroux? Do, is he sort of that final straw that has to go? Because when you see a guy like Voracek move, when you see Agasta Spare moved, Haig moved, uh, Myers moved, Patrick let go, you know, what happens after that? And you've still got JVR on a deal with some term. You've still got Kevin Hayes on a deal with some term. Um, you know, there, there are maybe other guys who can go, right? Uh, Keith Yandel is always going to be a popular trade target for a team wanting one more power play quarterback, that type of thing. Uh, I don't know. It's very frustrating, right? And you see a case like uh, like Nicholas Abe Kubel, right? He's a guy who, you know, doesn't seem to work well with the Flyers. He's playing maybe out of position in Elaine Vigneault's uh, forward group, gets put on waivers, hops over to Colorado, starts playing very well somehow. And you, you have to wonder, now that the controls, the reins have been given to Mike Yo, who's now in his third stint as head coach, he's coached in Minnesota for Chuck Fletcher, and he's coached in St. Louis. Uh, has he learned? How much will his style deviate? And, uh, you know, we'll we'll sort of we'll figure it out as we go hopefully but right now the flyers are in deep deep trouble uh, if they want any hope of competing in an incredibly tough division they need to pull themselves out of the fire now and if it doesn't happen literally by the next game it may already be too late and now after i sufficiently depressed myself i'd like to introduce today's beer this one is from Carton Brewing. I like Carton. It's a big New Jersey brewery. Um, they say, you know, their can says drink off the beaten craft. And this one is called Rav. It is a gourd ale, uh, 8% uh, by volume, alcohol, IBUs 24. And uh, it says, continuing our path of fall gourd ales that aren't just pumpkin spice spice mix, darker beers we turn into cuisine for spur. Here we have the Zucca ravioli, brown butter and sage topped with grated biscotti, roasted butternut squash meat with butter, uh, fermented on honest cookies, and dry hopped with sage. So this is supposed to be ravioli in a beer fermented on honest cookies. Right, sounds totally weird, totally goofy, but if there's anything that I start craving around at this time of year, especially after a big, big turkey meal at Thanksgiving. It's pasta, right? I love Italian food. I love pasta, especially something hearty like that that gives you that little bit of wintry goodness kind of in your soul. So I saw this. I was super intrigued. I'm like, yeah, I've got to try that one. So can crackers. Here's our warning here. little triple tap. And a one, two, and three. Well, that one is just dying to get out of the can. And that one's going to go nicely in the glass. This is beer. I'm not even going to be mad if it's not good. Because it's just so different and such a different take on the whole pumpkin spice style of thing. And I mean, why not? 
uh, it's 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 worth a sip or two, right? One would imagine. And uh, if it doesn't, oh well. Technically, they qualify it as a strong ale or a gourd ale. I do like gourds. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's dive into that one. Cheers. <sighs> hmm. That is weird and interesting. And I might need eight more sips before I finally figure that one out. But while I'm doing that, the MLB is currently locked out, which is weird, right? We're in this uh, thing again where there's a work stoppage. And I hate it. I really do. I mean... The frustration I get with baseball um, is something I think has probably been well documented on this podcast. It's well documented if you know me uh, in real life that I just, baseball is so simple and it's so lovable and the MLB does everything in its power to make sure that they lose fans on what seems like a yearly basis, you know, uh, I have such issues with the way that this sport is managed. And, I mean, just from the top down, it seems like something that, I don't know, maybe it's just been around so long and been in con controlled in certain ways that this needs to happen, uh, that, that, that things need to turn. You know, the players obviously need more control over what's happening the you know the league is stodgy in a way in their views and how they treat people players fans uh, fun but you know you have to worry about certain things uh, when it comes to new ideas in baseball and I think tradition is still very important to the game and I think they just have to be careful, right? I, I think ultimately this one is going to go the player's way. Uh, I don't think the owners are going to fare well. Um, but both sides need to make concessions. And if there's any of the four major sports that I'm worried about the most in terms of the future of the game, it's Major League Baseball. And just thinking about what could go wrong makes me wish that this beer was 16% alcohol. But I digress, right? It's 8% and it's it has some interesting notes. I just took another sip and it's like... It's hard to figure out, but it isn't at the same time. I don't know. I'm still, I'm still working my way into it. The Sixers. Yeah, they're doing okay. Uh, they've just won two straight over the Hornets. Joel Embiid is back from COVID. Uh, Tobias Harris is back. They're kind of figuring 
this season out as they go, you know, with the whole Ben situation, you know, Ben is mentally still working his way back. Uh, Tyrese Maxey is, is still very good. He's learning a lot. He's getting to play a ton of minutes. You've got guys like Isaiah Joe contributing. Furkan Korkmaz is getting more run. Uh, yeah, you know, they had a bunch of uh, Hornets who entered COVID protocols, which is pretty nice. Um, but yeah, it... <sighs> I just like what this season so far is doing for the younger players. Right, like Matisse Thibel is getting increased run. Uh, you know, Shake Milton is getting more minutes. Uh, we're unfortunately seeing a lot of George's Yang, which is interesting. Um, you know, but the Sixers just, they're an interesting team, right? There are. It's tough to tell if they're a transition team right now, if you know they're a team that's going to be relied upon, that's going to be very good in the East. We don't know how good the East itself really is. I don't know. I think one of the most encouraging things we're seeing, though, is Seth Curry really step up and become a full-fledged starter. I mean, he's playing out of his mind for the most part. Uh which, you know, I think is good. But other than that, it, it's, you know, tough to figure out. Because as long as this Ben situation keeps hanging over their head, we're not going to really know uh, uh, anything about the Sixers in terms of, you know, are they being held back? Are they playing to their biggest, uh, you know, I guess to their potential, because it all comes down to does, you know, uh, how is Ben affecting them right now? How would he affect them if he was playing? And how will he affect them if there's a trade? We've got three different scenarios right now, and until Ben either plays or is traded, you know, we don't know how it's going to work out. Right now, they're six in the East. They're only three games out of first. Everything is pretty tight. So there's nothing to truly worry about at this moment. But, you know, things could get more dicey, uh, you know, quickly. If, you know, there's an injury to Embiid, if there's another COVID sort of scare. So... As the clock ticks, the Ben situation continues to loom louder. And, you know, yeah, it's it's so frustrating. So that's three in a row now that's just made me go, ooh. <sighs> Needed another big sip. <sighs> Anyway, moving on. The Eagles. The Eagles will help us. I guess. So they're in a fake QB controversy now because Gardner Minshew played really well against the Jets. They beat the Jets and they're still 
hanging on to playoff hopes. They're on a bye week this week, which is good because we'll sort of see how things kind of shake out going from there. Uh, Essentially, I, I can't figure out the Eagles as a team, mostly because... You know, kind of as of right now, they're just, eh, they're okay. They're not a great team. They're not, maybe not even a good team, right? But they've played a relatively weak schedule. And, you know, they've got decent wins, but they've got bad losses. And I don't think we've seen the real team we haven't seen them play i don't want to say real football but meaningful football we're going to see that when they play the football team coming out of the bye week and i think that's going to tell us a lot about them if they can come out and win that game which the odds are is they will because any like an nfl team coming out of a bye wins 73% of the time I just, you know, the offense right now is primarily based on running, and that's going to be tough to do against a team like Washington. They're going to have to throw the ball, and, you know, that could very easily not work. And, you know, the, the draft is getting more and more dicey as Miami continues to win, as Indianapolis continues to win, and the draft picks keep moving later and later in the draft order. So we'll see. But the Eagles have some pieces in place. They have some guys playing well. Uh, you know, Devonta Smith, uh, especially Landon Dickerson's doing well. Nate Herbig's performing well. Uh, Jordan Mailata, very good. So we're seeing at least a little bit of turnover on the offensive line. There's reasons to feel confident in them going forward. Uh, defensively, TJ Edwards continues to play well at linebacker. Um, you know, Avante Maddox seems to have settled into his role as kind of the nickel guy. Darius Slay's kind of cemented himself as a top-flight cornerback. But the team will continue to have question marks, and they may not get addressed until draft night. They may not get addressed until free agency. So, yeah, we're kind of in a holding pattern until that Washington football team game. And from there, we're going to kind of see who the real Eagles are. Now, if you want to keep up more with all of the Eagles stuff that I am doing, please, please, please check out Bell and the Birdman, right? I'm writing weekly for the newsletter, usually twice a week. Uh, they got a couple pods a week. They do the live shows on Sundays. Really, really great guys. Love John Barchard. Love Vince Quinn. We got Bobby Dubs in the fold. Rojas Media, Francisco. He's awesome. Uh, Ashley Woods, a.k.a. Woodsy. She's holding it down every week. That's awesome. Uh, we got Kyle. We got Jared. We got a bunch of people contributing to the whole thing um burn the realtor man cliffy uh 
Yeah, I mean, people are probably forgetting uh, the, the the from the nosebleed uh, from the nosebleeds boys, that alumni pod, you know, with Tech and Prim. It's a whole thing. Taylor's holding it down, producing. You have to check it out. It's the best place to go for Eagle stuff right now. I truly mean that. Um, yeah. That's my plug for them. Um, yeah. And let's see. What is next on my list on my agenda? Oh, yes. So. Setting myself up. Okay. So, the newest piece of memorabilia from my collection. Uh, Yes, I have it wrapped up in a paper bag. All sorts of noise there. That's slightly unpleasant. But... So this thing is super cool, super vintage. Uh, was only given out to season ticket holders uh, in 2003. I was able to get a hold of one. It's the Phillies mascots from 71 to 78, Phil and Phyllis. Their exclusive season ticket holder bobblehead doll from the, I believe, the last season at the Vet. And, I mean, they're cool, right? It's uh, They were colonial children who were meant to help ring in the bicentennial. Um, they were part of Bill Giles' original vision uh, for, you know, making the game more interactive, right? And they had a thing that was attached to the scoreboard. They had animatronics to them. It was a whole big production. Right, uh, they were even the logo of the team from '76 to '78. It was designed by uh, Sidney as Levy. Eventually, they were retired, and the fanatic was brought in. And we sort of we know we know how that is, right? The fanatic's awesome. We love the fanatic. Uh, John Fricano Sr. bought the Twins in 1981 and brought them to Storybook Land with some vet seats. Now, Storybook Land is this cute, awesome little amusement park. That's down in, uh, I think, Egg Harbor or like Egg Harbor City, right off of Route 30 or White Horse Pike, like around there. And it's just, <laughs> there are these two ginormous things just standing there in the middle of the park, these two giant colonial children. And it has the whole story, it's got a plaque with some seats. It's a really cool thing, and I think these two are really cool as well. Picked it up for about twenty bucks. Uh, it's online. It's going for seventy-five, twenty-five, forty. There's a ton of different prices on there, but I love this piece just from a collector standpoint because you know it, it's a relic from the past. It's something that commemorates two things at once in my head, so it sort of has that multifunctionality, right? It's from the vet and it's meant to commemorate that it's got some neat artwork to it you know the eyes are super blue um 
and it's just kind of an ode to Philly's past, right? And again, this is what I talk about with baseball, right? There's so much tradition, there's so much history, right? And I love appreciating that, and I love continuing to own those memorabilia pieces and part of that history. So yeah, Phil and Phyllis, newest members of my ever-growing collection of things uh, that someone is probably eventually going to make me throw out, get rid of, sell, yada, 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 yada. Deep breath leading into a sip of beer. So, RAV, the 8% strong ale from Carton. So, this beer, I wanted it to be probably better than it is, but I do like some of the aspects to it, right? Like, I get a little bit of sage going on. I understand the butternut squash undertones, uh, the, the honest cookies. They, they come out the most to me, probably because that's my favorite part. But also, I really like, you know, that sort of honest flavoring in general. It's something I pick up a lot in these fall, wintry type flavors. Sometimes even when it's not there. Uh, it's kind of one that's mentally ingrained in me. Um, the thing is, it's hard to pick up some any type of ravioli, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's just more of a sensory thing, right? Right, it says uh, rav, or ravioli, you know, brown butter and sage. The, the, the thing about a, a really good ravioli, a really good pasta, is it has that sort of chew to it, right? That little bit of chew, that flavor, it's bright, it's warm, and it's holding everything that's good. Right, it keeps the ravioli mush together, and it gives you a bite to it. So this is a beer that doesn't sort of simulate that, right? It's missing that sort of. It's missing that pasta bite, that sort of beautiful, flowery, grainy, whatever it is, right? So that's where it misses the mark. Now, in general, online. This has been getting like a on average a three point seven five. I can see that, right? People are like deconstructed ravioli, okay. Some people are saying tasty. Uh, jokes about gourds, um, you know, and and it's good. It's different. It has a nice spice to it. It has some different flavors out there, and this has been rated like over eleven 1, hundred times. Right, uh, you know, it's been checked into over fifteen hundred times. Right, the so this is a beer that kind of gets around. People have their sort of perceptions of it. I will say, for eight percent, it goes down super easy. That's not anything that's overly uh, that you can't get into. It just. Right, I like it. It just makes me wish I had a full dinner. You know, this is a beer I think sort of has to go along with something. Like, I probably should have grabbed a cookie, to be honest. 
Yep, but it is what it is. I think I'm just going to stick where it is. Maybe something like a 3.75, most likely. Uh, if you want to follow along with the beers that I drink that are rate, um, head over to Untapped. Check me out. Matt Maratea uh, and Maratea22. In general, you guys can find me at all sorts of links. I got link trees out the wazoo. Uh, Matthew Maratea, that's M-M. Or that's M. A-R-A-T-E-A on the last name. Matthew spelled the traditional way with the double T. Uh, on Twitter, mmaritea22. On Instagram, you can find me at LinkedIn. You can find me on Bell and the Bird. You can find me at Write the Radio, the other podcast. You can find me at the Sport Chance Pod. Uh, you can find me on Medium. You can find me at Triple Play Media on Substack and sign up for the newsletters. Um... I'm doing a ton of things. Uh, Some of it might be overwhelming. uh, But I will continue. Like, I'm always producing something. Right? There's something to do. So follow me along. uh, Or follow along with me. I know. I kind of like follow me along. (laughs) Um, I promise you'll see something new. You'll see something different. I'll try to make it unique. Uh, But other than that, thank you for listening. Uh, stay tuned for more as always. Uh, thank you for stopping by. Cheers. <laughs>